Hello everybody! Welcome or welcome back to BNB Anime. It is blue today. Unfortunately, Brad could not make it to recording due to personal reasons. So, uh, yeah, you're just stuck with me. We also have a change of plans. Last week, we said that we were going to have another slime time by recording. I've been killing slimes for 300 years and have maxed up my level. But due to the fact that Brad cannot make it for us for recording today, I decided that we should hold off on that one and record that one another time because I think it would be so much better with the two of us um, sitting down to go over that one. So today we have another Ghibli film from just me. Yeah, so I hope, I hope you enjoy this podcast of just me. It's going to be a little bit more rambly than normal because Brad helps to keep me on track. But don't worry, he will be back again next week. Quick note before we properly jump in, uh, I just want to go over how our schedule works because I know for a few times previously we have said we will get back to an anime that we have skipped for one reason or another and uh, it seems like we never end up getting back to it. We do keep them on the schedule, it's just that we have our schedule planned weeks and weeks in advance because we plan around around things like when new series are going to end, or new seasons are going to end, or new releases are coming, and so those are kind of like ones we can't move because we want to get them out to you guys as soon as the season has ended, we want to get out our review, our, our conversation on the subject, and so we slot in some other things whenever we can, and those ones that we slot in tend to kind of get pushed around a little bit. Um, so if you have heard that we were going to cover something and we haven't gotten back to it, you can shoot us a reminder on our social medias at BNB Anime. Hey, cover this one. You said you were going to and you haven't gotten back to it. Please do it. And we can maybe look at seeing bumping it up in the schedule. But for the most part, they just get tacked on at the end and we do work our, our way around to them. So uh, I've been killing slimes for 300 years and I've maxed up my level may come next week, I'm not sure, or it may come at some point in the future. We are definitely going to cover it though, I'm just not sure exactly when because like I said the schedule is kind of built around like several things, <laughs> so we'll see when it comes out. But yes, From Up on Poppy Hill is what we're going to be covering today. But before we get into that, we always do our daily spiel of what we've been up to. I haven't been up to much, honestly, since the last time that I recorded. I am now officially in Toronto. I have started my classes as of Friday. And um, yeah, I'm not, I don't know, I'm just kind of chilling and hanging out. I still have to get some art supplies. Uh, it has been very cold here. I feel like I brought the cold weather with me from Alberta because it was really cold in Alberta. Toronto is normally not that cold, like because of the lakes and the just location of Toronto, it doesn't normally get as cold as it does in Alberta. But for some reason, I think I, I think I've brought it with me. I don't think it's ever going to get Alberta cold, but it is definitely cold for Toronto, um, which, you know, ow, I just like... <laughs> just hit my hand on the desk. Uh, but yeah, you know, it is what it is. I don't know. Things are still in pretty heavy lockdown out here, so I haven't been able to like go to my favourite cafe and things like that. I've actually been pretty much quarantining myself since I've come, uh, since I've I've flown over. I haven't left the house really since, just to pick up some grocery bits, since I uh, landed here, just in case I picked something up at the airport. Um, so yeah, I've just been in my apartment hanging out. I have a nice cup of tea, I've had a lemon square cake thing? Lemon, piece of lemon loaf? I don't know. Ooh! I did think of something. 
I was thinking, I thought of a plot for an isekai that I thought would be really fun. So instead of like the classic isekai person gets transported to a magical world, a reverse isekai would be really funny. Kind of like the devil works a part-time, part, the devil is a part-timer, that's the one. Uh, but that kind of vibe, but somebody from a magical world who has like a really good adventurer with all of these magical powers in this fantasy realm gets transported to like regular Tokyo. Um, and I see that instead of getting hit by truck summer, they can get hit by like carriage summer or whatever, I don't know, and get life swapped with somebody else. It would be fun if they did it as a mirror play so you could see um both people having swapped each other's lives as opposed to just one person transported it would be funny to see the two parallels but just seeing them like being mind blown over electricity and cars and and movies and manga and like media you know because of course that doesn't exist in the fantasy realm and then like struggling to not just like use magic for mundane tasks i think it would be really fun so if you if that, i actually don't know if that's already a thing if it is already a thing send me the manga because i would be so interested in reading it i don't know i thought of that and was like ah oh, i have to share that's fun yes anyway so from up on poppy hill um let's just jump into it i always feel a bit lost when i do these by myself i don't know i don't know what, <laughs> like what the structure is supposed to be i don't have any news brad does the news don't ask me to keep up with current events that's not my forte i can't do that so no news this week but yes from up on poppy hill we have uh well okay i guess we, we start with the background brad does this normally i'm we start with the background stuff and then we go into the other bits yeah studio ghibli it is a 92 minute film um it was made on july 16th 2000 well released on july 16th 2011 in japan it was directed by Miyazaki. you've heard brad absolutely like gush over him so many times this is another one of Miyazaki's creations well there are two Miyazakis here one wrote the screenplay one directed it i was i yeah, it's a family affair. You know what I mean. <laughs> and it actually got uh, $22 million for a budget and $61.5 million worldwide for the box office. So made a fair profit. Yeah, it, it is on Canadian Netflix. That's where I watched it. So if you have access to Canadian Netflix, you can go and jump on there. It says, uh, yeah, it's rated G. It was based on a 1979 manga by a name that I'm going to butcher here. Uh, Koku Likot Zakakara, I think. <laughs> yeah, I apparently read that about it. it and, um... It won Animation of the Year Award in the 35th Japan Academy Prize and in the 11th Tokyo Anime Award. So, and then in 2013, it won the Best Foreign Animation Family Trailer during the 14th Golden Trailer Awards and tied with The Wind Rises for Best Animated Feature in the 12th Utah Films Critics Association. So there you go. Lots of awards. Very... Uh, uh, critically acclaimed, I guess. I don't know. It's rated a 7.81 on my anime list and a f out of 10, 
and uh, a 4.08 out of 5 on Anime Planet, or an 8.16 out of 10. So pretty much like an 8 average, 8 out of 10. Um, and its drop rate is 0.25%. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Films have a lower drop rate because people tend to not drop them halfway through a film. They'll like watch it at the end even if it's a bad film. Whereas they will not start a new episode because there's a break. So I feel like if films had... You remember like in The Sound of Music and stuff where they have intermissions because the films are really, really long? I feel like if films, modern films had intermissions, we would probably see the drop rate go up quite a substantial amount. That would actually be a fascinating study to see how much an advert break or an intermission causes people to click off of shows. I wonder if there's like been a paper on that. Like if you have a, a movie channel that has ads and a movie channel that doesn't have ads and they both play the same film, the people, the amount of people that click off would probably differ quite heavily on the channel that has ads, and I would be interested to see how much that it does. Because not only does it extend the runtime, but it also breaks up the viewing experience. You know what I mean? Anyway, just thoughts. Just thoughts that I've had. Um, yeah, rated G. I uh, was not expecting this. So this is a uh, kind of a romance historical school. Very... How do I describe it? It's like very nostalgic romance, I guess is the way to describe it. It's set um, just like a few years before the Olympic Games in Tokyo that, uh, yeah, like the, the 64, I think it is, 1964 Tokyo Olympics. And uh, But it's set like a few years before that. So it's like the country is in preparation for the Olympics happening. Um, and it's based around um, a young girl and a young boy in high school and the possible demolition of one of the buildings on the school that is kind of like a student, like, like a heartfelt student building, like they enjoy it a lot, you know what I mean? Um, and so it's, it's about the, their relationship with each other and also finding their identity. It's a very, uh, I mean, it's a Ghibli film. So you're going into it knowing that it's going to be beautiful, it's going to be it's going to give you that atmosphere that a Ghibli film just always provides. I will say that I felt that this one was a little bit longer than others, like it felt longer than others. But yeah, overall I enjoyed it. So I'm going to put on the, the spoiler chicken hats now. If you haven't seen it, um, I recommend that you do go and watch it. Like I said, it is available on Canadian Netflix. But I... Yeah, I will say that this is not my favourite Ghibli film of the ones that I have watched so far. I have only ever reviewed, watched and reviewed Ghibli films here on the podcast. I have never seen a Ghibli film that wasn't for the podcast. So yeah, you're getting to know all of my first thoughts from the very first Ghibli film I've ever watched all the way through to hopefully when I've completed the collection. This one is probably my least favourite of the ones that I've watched so far, even though it is so mystically romantic, but I'll get into why I feel like that in a moment. So yeah, spoiler chicken hats on, um, and uh, yeah, I'm just gonna have a sip of tea. I made that sound like I had a tea sponsorship or something. I don't. If there's any tea company out there that wants to sponsor me, though, I will happily take that sponsorship. Um, you know, an English girl can't get enough. So yeah, starting off, let me just grab the character list. Here we go. 
Um, so we're starting off with Umi. She is our main character. We also have Shun, who is her romantic interest, um, and her her supporting actor co main character. You know what I mean? Like he's the love interest in the show. So we start off with her, and the very very picturesque opening of the movie is um, her running through the house and preparing breakfast for everyone who is at the house and raising the signal flags for she's on the coast and raising these signal flags for the incoming ships uh the house that she's in it's never actually stated like verbatim but i'm assuming it's a kind of a board house it was a hospital it's explained later on that it was a hospital that they've converted and judging from the people that are there it's all women that are living in this house so i'm assuming that it's kind of like a uh, a long-term bed and breakfast kind of thing like a, a board room and board you don't really get those kinds of things at least out here in in the west these days i know that my grandma used to do that for university students um when i was growing up and when my mom was growing up um when because my my mom's the youngest of five so they had a lot of rooms in their house and i know that when the older siblings started to move out um my grandma would rent out rooms for university students specifically if they were from abroad which is actually how my uncle met my aunt from japan so which is kind of romantic and so i know that that's like a a thing but i'm not sure i i haven't heard of people doing that out here in canada or at least where i live out in canada maybe they do it more on the coast or maybe they even do it more in here in Toronto or like in surrounding areas I don't know I lived in the middle of nowhere in Alberta so nobody would want to come and stay but yeah so I'm assuming it's kind of like a women's board house that they they've converted it to so she gets up early and she's making breakfast to everybody in the house she has two siblings in the house and someone who she calls grandma but I don't know if it's actually blood related grandma or if it's just an elderly woman who also lives in the house never really established or at least in the translation is not established it's always hard to tell if i'm like missing details because of translation like they it's just not you know you miss the nuances sometimes or if um it's just not explained so i'm assuming blood related grammar but yeah it's not explained and her mom is an absentee and her father has passed away in the korean war um he was a sailor and he was the one who taught her how to use signal flags. When she goes to school that morning, um, she sees that there has been a poem written in the school paper about the girl who raises signal flags on the hill. And one of the women in the house has noticed that there is a tugboat that also raises signal flags in response, but she can't see them from where she is when she's raising them. Um, only the guests can see from like the top floor. So uh, she doesn't actually know that there's this this boat that's been responding to her signal flags. So they go through the school day, and as they go through the school day, she ends up bumping into Shun and um, a couple of other students who are having, uh, who have this demonstration, shall I say, um, where they're trying to raise awareness about the fact that the school board wants to tear down the clubhouse. This was something that I found rather charming. Um, I mean, all Ghibli films, Ghibli, Ghibli film. It's a hard G, right? It's a Ghibli, not a Ghibli, because if it was a Ghibli, it would be J. Ghibli, right? I don't know. It's, (laughs) it's, uh, yeah, so it's rather charming. He 
Shun jumps off of the school, the roof of the school building into a very unclean pool. I, I think they're in their winter uniforms. They have long sleeves, so they're in their winter uniforms. So it's obviously not very warm, and, and the pool has, like, the cover on it and stuff. So they pull the cover off, and he jumps off into the from the roof into the pool as they pull down these banners to be able to get awareness spread about the fact that the school board wants to tear down this clubhouse. Umi, who had made eye contact with him before he jumps, then rushes over to the sides of the pool to see if he's okay, and he holds his hand out to, like, help me up. Um, and she grabs his hand, and then the two guys that are taking pictures of the newspaper are like, hey, look over here! And she gets flustered, obviously, and releases his hand, and he falls back into the water and has to get pulled out by somebody else. But it's very cute. And very quickly, in the film, you're establishing that the two young students um, have a crush on each other. And I will say that Shun is very suave. Uh, he is very charming. He has some very very good moves that I think would work to this day. They just haven't been used. Uh, for instance, at one time she has to get food, uh, I think some pork or something, for the the house because she had been helping out clean up the clubhouse. No, she'd been helping with the... He's He runs the newspaper, right? He helps on the, the school paper. So she'd been helping with the paper because her handwriting was very neat. So she was doing the like the stencil for them to then do the printing press um and uh and so and she ended up being late so on her way home uh, so then she gets home and she realizes that she's late for dinner and has to run out to go get some food some meat and uh she leaves the house and as she leaves he strolls on by on his bicycle and basically says hop on go to the market uh and he cycles her down um all the way to into the into the market and um then buys her a snack because he says oh i need more energy for myself to get home because i live by the coast um so here you might as well have one as well and it was very very smooth very very suave it's the kind of thing that would work to this day buy each other snacks if you're feeling romantic and give them rides on bicycles those kinds of things are timeless classics i feel like most people i feel like it's one of those tropes but everyone's like, uh, like you watch old films and you see it happen frequently. If you have any film that was like, that's set before the 1970s, I would say, and even some films that set in the 1970s, but films prior to the 1970s, it was all about, hey, hop on the back of my bike. And now it's all about, hey, hop in my car. But if you, if there's anybody that you have that's kind of a romantic or they, they are, like a, a, they are interested in old films or old books or something like that, and you try the hop on the back of my bike thing, they would probably die. So give it a go. I don't know. I, I, have you ever ridden with somebody on the back of your bike? I did when I was very small, but I haven't for a long time. I used to ride my bike to and from school all the time, all the way in primary school and in middle school here as well. So I don't know. I don't actually have a bike right now. I need to get a bike. But it's really hard for me to get a bike because I have to get, like... Because the seats and the handles don't go up high enough because I, I have long legs. I have to get, like, men's bikes. <laughs> I'm sure there are big, big enough women's bikes, but they're expansive. Anyway, tangent. Uh, sip of my tea. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have a sip of my tea. 
I'm just sitting at my desk, like, waving around a mug of tea. My hand never actually drinking it, but I talk with my hands. So I'm just waving around a mug instead of my hands. Sounds like a really non-dangerous thing to do when you're clumsy and in front of hundreds of dollars of computer equipment. Put it down. Okay. So where are we at? Yeah, so over time, the two of them are just bonding. They are building and, and reconstructing this old clubhouse. They're having, um, the students are having debates. A lot of the students were against restoring the clubhouse. Well, they didn't even consider restoring it. They were against keeping the clubhouse the way that it was because of the fact that the school board wanted to build a new one, so they were all for knocking it down. But then the girls come in because of Umi's idea to like clean everything up, and they, the whole school pretty much ends up partaking some way or another in cleaning up and restoring the clubhouse, all the way from just like dusting um, to changing light bulbs, restoring banisters, plastering walls, hammering shelves in. Like they do so much work. And at some point during this, one of the women who are boarding at Umi's house is a doctor and she is moving on to her next location. And so they have a farewell party for her. Umi invites a couple of the lads from school, including Shun. And when the two of them are at the party, they kind of escape for a little while. And Umi kind of gives Shun a tour through the old hospital, or which is now the, the board house. They end up going into the mom's office uh, her mom's office and uh, he asks about her father and she shows him the pictures and it turns out well and, and then Shun gets really quiet and everything and, and, and then leaves and then for a few days afterwards he's just kind of ignoring her and she's really like confused as to why and she thinks that maybe she did something wrong but she doesn't really know so she ends up waiting for him outside of the school um, one rainy day and they end up walking together home and uh, and she basically says, if you don't like me, you could have just said so. He says, uh, actually, um, the people who take care of me right now, my, my mom and my dad, aren't my mom and my dad. They're my adoptive mom and dad. My dad is your dad. <laughs> I even checked the town registry. Yeah, my family, like, we have the same dad. We're brother and sister. And... Um, yeah. <laughs> the whole movie takes a turn from there. I was... I don't know how I felt at this point. I think, like, you kind of know when... You, like, I've already put on the spoiler warning, so if you don't want to hear the end of the, the movie, like, I'm gonna spoil it now. But you kind of know at this point that there is... Like, that he is... They're not related. But also... Because it's a Ghibli film, and Ghibli films, I will say, rarely have strong romantic interaction. A lot of the time, it's the borderline between friendship and romance, and you don't ever get that full push through to romance. You're then sitting there and thinking, oh, so they were just friends the whole time. You know, and it wasn't romantic. And now they're upset because they're siblings, but they weren't having a romantic inclination. But no, trust me, they were having a romantic inclination. But you do kind of get that border of a moment of like, so wait, they they didn't like each other and they were just friends? Or they did like each other, but now they found out they're siblings. And it's like, it's the latter. They did like each other and now they found out they're siblings. Uh, as time progresses, he asks his adoptive father about 
um, his real dad, and uh, he says the same thing that he already knew, that the man in the picture is his dad, and, um, uh, and he was, he, one day he turned up to the two of them, to his mum and his dad, and, um, had said, had, holding him, holding a baby, um, and they had just lost a child themselves, and he said, can you care for, for the baby? And um, mom just like grabbed him, and that was that. They they became his parents, and it was a very common thing at the time. They explain it in the film as well, but like a lot of people had died because of the wars, and um, there were a lot of orphans, and so people who wanted children but couldn't have them were just kind of taking them and and putting them in family registries, and there wasn't really any official adoption or anything like the orphan like he would have gone to an orphanage but like a lot of people weren't going through those processes they were just there was just a baby and they just took it you know and that's kind of what happened with him um and so more time progresses and umi and shun kind of try and make it work with just being friends but both of them still have feelings for each other and then they end up finishing up cleaning up this house this the 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 clubhouse but they find out that the board still wants to close the building down like they swat uh, like swat, what is it they persuaded swung over there's a saying that i'm looking for and i can't think of but they've persuaded the student body but they just haven't found they just haven't like persuaded the board yet they don't they don't have any access to the board and the principal isn't speaking up for them so Shun, Umi, and uh, Shiro, who is kind of the mastermind between behi- behind the whole thing, he's kind of like the leader, and then Shun and Umi are kind of like his sidekicks, um, <laughs> in a sense. Shun is kind of like the guy who, who does all the crazy stunts for it, and is the very suave, like the girls have made a fan club for him. Um, Shiro seems to be like the I think he's like the student body president or something so he's like the the guy who does the paperwork behind it and then Umi's the one who comes up with the ideas like she's the one who's like we should clean and restore the place and they end up considering her their good luck charm so the three of them decide to skip school one day and go to Tokyo to get in contact with the board chairman and get him to come and visit the building because if he visits the building then he'll see what they've all done with it and um because the building has been there for like decades at this point and hopefully then they'll be all chill and they'll be able to keep the building and so they go and they're waiting there in the office and they're waiting and they're waiting and they're waiting and finally they're allowed into the office and the chairman kind of puts his foot in his mouth when he talks to umi and he's like oh what does your dad do and she's like dead And because of that, he kind of, like, develops a connection with her and is like, okay, I basically pity you, so I'm going to come and see the school. And so the next day, he comes down to the school. Oh, before that, though, can I just say that Shiro is the, um, probably one of the best wingmen that I've seen in anime in a while. Um, They're in Tokyo, and the two of them, like, the three of them are walking together. And everyone kind of knows that Umi and Shun have, like, a thing together. Nobody knows that they're potentially siblings at this point. So Shiro sees the two of them 
like the three of them together and he's like I'm I'm gonna dip I'm going to my uncle's house peace and so he leaves and so the two of them then end up having to make their way home from Tokyo together and whilst they're waiting for a tram Umi basically says she does say to him I don't care that we're siblings I still have feelings for you and Shun responds I still have feelings for you too which is awkward <laughs> as a viewer. It's awkward to watch. It's one of those things that you're like, oh, that's sweet, but also no. You know what I mean? So you're like watching it and you're like, I get that you have these emotions and you cannot control your emotions in this. Like you didn't know you were siblings until you'd already caught feelings. But like, don't you just get like, ick? <laughs> I don't, I mean, it's, yeah, it's really one of those things where you want to be with them, you know, you want to be with the main characters, you want to support them in their endeavours, and you're like, yes, main characters, but they're siblings, so no main characters don't, but, like, also you're, you're sitting there as a viewer and you're hoping, okay, but they can't be siblings, right? There's got to be some mix up here, like, they're not actually siblings, but you don't know at this point. So you're left on that edge of questioning. And it's... I won't say uncomfortable to watch. Because it doesn't quite border in that that area for me. But I will say it's not... It's not the way... It's not as romantic as the situation could have been. If it wasn't that they were possibly siblings. You know what I mean? It's like... If it was, like, a Romeo and Juliet scenario where their parents weren't allowed to be together, much like um, Umi's parents um, Umi's parents were, they were a bit of a Romeo and Juliet situation and ended up eloping. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's just, you can't support the characters in the way that you want to support the characters. So anyway, that night, Umi gets home and her mum is home. And her mum was abroad in America as a professor. And so she hasn't been there for, like, however many months. I'm assuming at least, like, a full year or a full semester. She was, like, teaching in America. So a, a good amount of time she was away. And so she gets home, and Umi then confronts her that night, saying, hey, I found a boy at school um, named Shun Kazuma. Do you, like, do you know him? And And she's like, yes, let me tell you the story. And so she says, when she was pregnant with Umi, her husband, Umi's dad, came home one night with a baby. And uh, he said to her that it was his crewmates, like his shipmates, son, and that he had died. Um, the baby's mother had died in childbirth and the rest of the family had been killed in like bombings. And so completely orphaned child. He went to the, to the registry office and registered the baby as his so that the baby wouldn't go in, into the orphanages. They were going to keep the baby, uh, but they couldn't with the fact that she was heavily pregnant with Umi at the time and she wanted to stay in school to become a professor. And he is a sailor, he's captain of a ship, so he was frequently away for months at a time. So leaving his wife alone with two babies was just not feasible. Which was when they discovered that an old friend, like a, a, sailor, a, a local sailor fisherman friend, and his wife had just lost a child, so they took the child to them. So then the question remains, 
did Umi's father have an affair, have a son with somebody else, then bring it back with this tale of uh, the, of the third person that had had this child? Or did is this story true? Is this story legitimate? So the mum asks Umi, does he... Who does he look like in the picture? Does he look like your dad? Like, who does he look like? Does he look like the other guy? Like, what's going on? I can't remember if it's exactly like that. I think it's a little bit different than that. But basically, and it's, it's, you, you're left with this question of, you know, you're kind of, you're kind of piecing it together. That's how it is. But throughout the whole film, once you find out that they're siblings, you are just left with this, like, ah, so her dad had an affair. Shun's her half-brother. You know what I mean? It's like a, it's a whole, it doesn't feel very Ghibli, I guess is the thing. Is Ghibli is like, like, Totoro and, and Kiki's delivery service is not secret affairs and love children. Like, this is, I don't know, it, it, this is the first time that I've experienced this side of Ghibli. And it's very, it was a very interesting experience. It was very, I don't know, I wasn't expecting it, shall we put it that way. And so then, and the next day, the chairman comes to the school and he sees the new building and he approves the new building. And the chairman is great. I love him. He's great. Um, and, and he approves the, the old building. He's like, yeah, love it. Love the renovations that you've done. Good work, guys. I'm just going to build the new building elsewhere. Yay, everybody wins. Fantastic. In comes Shun, who just received a phone call from his adopted dad to be like, hey, there's the third man in the picture because it's the three men in the picture is at the docks right now. He's leaving at like 4 p.m. I'm assuming it's the end of the school day, so it must be like 3, 5, 3 or 5, 3 15, 3 o'clock, you know, around that time. He's leaving at 4. Get yourself down to the harbour right now because you won't see him again for months. He's on a huge carrier ship. Like, you're not, you're not going to see him again. Get yourself down here. And so Shun runs back into the building, grabs hold of Umi's hand. The two of them run out to the sound of applause from everyone who thinks it's a huge romantic endeavour, which it kind of is in a way, but also they're siblings possibly at this point. They run down to the harbour, get onto the ship, and once they're on the ship, the captain of the ship confirms that Shun is the son of one of the sailors, Umi is the son of the other, he is the third sailor in the picture, and he blesses the two of them being together, basically. Um, and, and then, yeah, he is able to, to say the story of, like, yeah, you're one kid, you're the other kid, you're not siblings, your fathers were best friends, though. We were a trio. And so they leave the ship, and they get onto the tugboat, and, uh, sail on home, and the, the movie ends with Umi raising the signal flags, like she did for her father every single day. Um, and uh, it's a very cute ending. It's a very picturesque ending. I like the way that the ending is the same as the beginning. I like films that have that repetitive cycle, especially slice of life type films where it's just like a, a segment of someone's life that's just kind of fairly mundane. I mean, obviously there's a, a decently exciting plot, but this isn't something like the people living this life wouldn't consider this to be an exciting part of their life, if you know what I mean. Like, they would just be like, oh, yeah, this is just an everyday occurrence for me. And that is kind of my favourite thing about Slice of Life films. I love films and books and series that are just, just 
a slice of life, a snippet of somebody's existence that is just kind of mundane. I like, I'm nosy like that. I like to know what people do when they're not doing anything. And, uh, and I think the starting and ending something with the same imagery is a really good way to just reinforce that this is just another repetitive day in somebody's life. And so ending off, I, although I think it's very romantic, I think that House Moving Castle actually is more romantic, even though I wouldn't necessarily consider House to be primarily a romance, whereas I would consider this to be primarily a romance. I just think because of the level of awkwardness that happens because of the whole sibling dilemma, this ends up kind of tainting the romance, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's it's a really good watch. It's a really solid watch. And I do recommend that you do watch it if you like anime films. And I want to know your opinions on it. Did you feel like the sibling plotline, like, did it, did it taint the romance for you? Or did it just, like, was it, because I mean, it's the main storyline for the romance, right? So without it, the romance doesn't really have any significant plot to it. And the whole then plot of the film would just be on the clubhouse. Would you prefer it that way to just be about the clubhouse and maybe have them go through some other kind of, like, I guess, turmoil to be able to create a plotline? Or do you like it the way it is? How do you feel about it? And I mean, they're high schoolers, so in the Ghibli universe, nothing extensive is going to happen between them. Like, they don't kiss or anything. It's not as bad as it would be, like, if it was on, I don't know, like, any kind of other modern TV show, you know? They would have already done shit, but because it's a Ghibli film, like, they don't. It's rated G. You know what I mean? So, like, there's that level of... I mean, it's not as... Uh, fairy tales are much worse. But, like, still, you know what I mean? So, yeah, let me know what you think about it, because I'm I'm conflicted, and I don't know where I sit, but I feel like... Okay. Ghibli films, because of the music, because of the visual, visuals, because of the, the animation, because of the atmosphere that a Ghibli film is just guaranteed to give you, I feel like it's very hard to give a Ghibli film anything less than a 7, just based on that. Just the fact that you go into a Ghibli film and immediately you're caught up in the atmosphere. Immediately you are whisked away to a whimsical world that isn't normally even that whimsical. They're like, it's just life, it's just every day in this world there wasn't even any, any magic or anything, but you still feel like you're in this fantasy realm. And there's something really, really special about that, so I find it very hard to give a Ghibli film anything less than a 7. That being said, I feel like a 7 is solid for this film. I don't feel like it's one that I'm going to remember, and if I do remember it, I'm going to remember it for the brother-sister storyline and not for the fact that it was a really good film. Whereas, like, House Moving Castle, I remember because of the the house that moves and, well, the castle, <laughs> and the, the the beautiful feathered body that he ends up with and the, the hats that she makes and, like, all of these minor details are the things that I remember. I will say the details are still on point here in, in this film. I mean, it's a Ghibli film. You can expect that. The Ghibli logo on the, on the ship, the fingers that move to catch the rope when she's letting the flag down. Knife cutting up the lettuce. Like, all of these small things are 
done so incredibly well, which is why I think Solid 7, but yeah, I just think that the, the storyline here was not as good as other Ghibli films that I've watched, and I don't feel like it would be fair to give it anything higher, because when I compare it to things like Kiki's Delivery Service, to Howl's Moving Castle, to My Neighbor Totoro, it's just not holding up in the same way. And I want to know your guys' thoughts too. Is this anybody's favourite Ghibli film? Because I don't, f I feel like it would be very hard for this to become a favourite Ghibli film. And if it is your favourite Ghibli film, why? Have you seen this one? I feel like this is one that people don't talk about very often. Yeah, watch this and let me know. I have so many questions. <laughs> let me know how you feel about this storyline. Because yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how to feel. But anyway, I think that's probably where I'm going to end it today. A shorter one today because it's just me. So I did still have, there were still a few tangents in there. You still got a few tangents. But I think I did fairly well at keeping myself on track. I don't know. <laughs> Let me know what you think. Yeah, so uh, next week, I'm going to say that we have uh, Monthly Girls Nozaki-kun. But I don't know if we are going to be going with that Monthly Girl. So we may be going with I've Been Killing Slimes for 300 Years and I'm Back's Not My Level. It's debatable. We will see. I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah, anyway, that's it from me. So, plug time. You can find Brad, who unfortunately wasn't here today, um, but you can find him on Twitch at Brad Carter Gaming. He's also on Instagram at Brad Carter Gaming. You can find me um, on Instagram and Twitter and TikTok under Blue Lavender or Blue Lavender STM. Um, yeah, I tried to get Blue Lavender on all of them, but that didn't happen. Um, and, uh, and then you can find the podcast, which is probably the one that we're both most active on, at BNB Anime. I have been making daily memes on the Instagram. They're all fresh memes from my brain. Some of them are really dumb. Some of them are... are it's always the ones that I think are, like, the most dumb that do really well. So, uh, yeah, check out the Instagram. Um, and we do have a Twitter and a TikTok at BNB Anime as well, but I don't think many posts have been going up on those. I've been mainly focusing on the Instagram right now. We do also have the website that is getting a huge upgrade at www.bnbanime.com. And yeah, the YouTube channel as well, which is at BNB Anime. Yeah, I think that's everything. I hope you enjoyed this solo episode. Don't worry. If you didn't, Brad will be back next week and he can keep me more on track. If you did like it, let me know as well though because I do appreciate all of the feedback. Solo episodes are hard to do. You have nobody to bounce shit off of. There's no conversation or anything. So yeah, let me know what you thought of this solo episode and I will catch you all next week. Bye-bye!